Welcome to Classrooms in Compton, a podcast about methods, strategies, and pedagogy that work in classrooms in Compton, like mine. Today is Season 2, Episode 8, The Power of a Phone Call, something I've touched on before in other episodes, but I know it's important enough to hit again. You see, the reason I got into teaching was for kids. I wanted to, if you know my background, be Laura Ingalls Wilder. Long ruffled dresses, a home on the prairie, students all well behaved in a one room classroom. But for real, I wanted to rescue kids that were like me as a teenager. They were disenfranchised with school. I had labels I needed to live up to. I was completely through with the oppressive education system that existed then and still exists today. I didn't want to be indoctrinated with my teacher's thoughts and opinions that then they wanted me to regurgitate on a test. I could think for myself. Becoming a teacher and meeting my kids each and every year though does tap into one of my biggest fears. I don't know if you've seen them. They're the really tall people behind the students. I think they're called parents. When I first started teaching parents, well, they frightened me a bit. I mean, not that any parent had done something to me. I've never been in an argument with a parent or had any other type of disagreement. But I remember being a teenager and I hated when my parents, I mean, when my teacher threatened to call my parents. Of course, when I was a teenager, I could get home from school before my parents, erase the answering machine, tape, and then my parents weren't the wiser. Well, okay, it took them a little while to catch on that I was a delinquent. But today is 2022. Cell phones, voicemail, texting, they've all changed the game. And we need to capitalize. Now, especially as we have continued to go through this pandemic, society at large, and specifically parents, um, are becoming more tech literate. The jury's still out on whether that's a positive thing for society or negative, but it's an impact. More and more parents have made email addresses their primary contact choice with schools. They provide their cell phone numbers for texting and are often linked into our learning management system. In Compton, we use Parent Square, um, but there are several different learning management systems that your school might use. Now, this increase in availability doesn't mean that parents are always excited to hear from us. On the contrary, just like my parents in 1994, today's parents man they usually feel a sense of unease when the school calls during the day it's usually not a great sign either your kid is sick something's happened to them or dun 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 they're in trouble with that mentality parents are already feeling negative when they pick up the phone how do you combat that defense mechanism that parents feel well I'm going to sound like I'm beating the same drum or like my iPod stuck on replay, but we have to build relationships. Don't wait until a phone call home to introduce yourself to parents. 
Make yourselves available from day one. End your first week making some good news phone calls or sending home some good news notes. I talked about those in season one, episode two. If you've established those relationships with parents and students, your phone calls are received with a great deal more openness and understanding. If you're a teacher out there listening to this podcast, please keep in mind, parents, well, they normally only get the bad calls. And, you know, many of the students who beg for those phone calls garner them from many teachers all day long. So it might not just be you that's calling home that day. And a little insight as a parent. If your child's behaving or a child's behaving bad all day in school, chances are there's some of that behavior that carries over to home. And teach I'm sorry, and parents have to be very careful about the things that they discipline as child for. Everything can't be negative all the time between parent and child. They're also working on their relationship. So the student has had a bad day. They've acted out to gain some sort of attention regarding that bad behavior. And teachers were normally, at the end of the day, upset about something that students done or the rule they broke. In fact, sometimes teachers feel personally affronted. This isn't always the best time to call home. We need to engage parents before we make this negative phone call home because our personality and our feelings do get involved. As a teacher, I know there are not enough hours in the day to make phone calls, either good or bad. So, like, that's why I say we need to consider other ways to engage parents beyond the phone call. I often send a good news note in the mail. Good old USPS. (laughs) I might send a note home with the student. Saves me that postage. And it allows a student, um, if you have high schoolers, they're probably going to go into the envelope first. So you can also write them a little note so they have something addressed to them and to the parent. Students are never too old for a class newsletter. Or if you do have a learning management system like Parent Square, you can use a canned message. And what I mean by canned is already prepared messages you can keep in your phone in your notes section of your computer on a google doc and you can just copy and paste those so you don't even have to retype them every time you want to send a note or message home i also make myself as available as possible i have a website i tend to give office hours for parents especially at the beginning of the year and i always give out my phone number I want to set the tone that my classroom is an open environment, welcoming to parents and families. It's a community center. That way, as a teacher, I have more flexibility in how I contact, when I contact, and parents are more open to developing and supporting a behavior plan for their students. In my opinion, one of the things that gets in the way of the simple connection with parents is just our past experience that we carry around. If you leave all the calls to parents until the end of the day, 
then it kind of piles up on our bad mood. Or maybe at the end of the day, we're in a hurry because we know we need to get home to our families, to a soccer game, a color guard event. And after you've been a teacher for about two years, there is, I want to say, a 98% chance you've made a phone call to parents that didn't go smoothly. I'm not saying it went badly. I'm just saying it wasn't smooth. And I think it's sometimes because we tell ourselves a story in our head about our families at home. How they're disconnected. How they don't check in. They don't speak to each other. They just text each other. That the parents don't care about school and the students don't care about school. But that's all a story we tell ourselves in our heads. It's not the truth. Especially in a neighborhood like Compton where there's very close-knit family values. You'd be surprised at how many parents are just on top of what their kids are doing in school. And I want to just caution you teachers, if every time you tell a story about a parent, it's negative, consider the vibe you're putting out to the world. Maybe it's time to rewrite what you choose to share. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I had to stop journaling about negative things and begin only memorializing the positive things because it was sounding like a complaint session in my journal. And I don't want my posterity to look back at me and be like, oh my gosh, my great-great-grandma was such a complainer. When we do start focusing on the positive throughout our day and we do start celebrating that with our colleagues, they also feel that and they focus on the positive moments. And it's a trickle down after a few years. I mean, our students will focus on the positive as well. It's not an overnight light switch. It's going to take some time, but we can change the feelings surrounding school. Now, this doesn't mean not paying attention or being aware of the negative. But if you think about the positive first, it sets up, man, it sets up solution-oriented discussions, not just problems. You are desiring to make the negative into a positive, so you're more likely to take action to get it there. I would say if you're feeling like you need some help on this, seek advice from campus coaches, department chairs. But what I do offer again caution, don't just seek out that comfortable complaining corner in one of your colleagues' classrooms. Because positivity is not bred there. I've been on both sides of the coin. I've been a teacher making a phone call to a non-receptive parent. I've been the non-receptive parent getting a phone call about my daughter. And, you know, all they can say is that it really helps when I make these phone calls now. I can pull from that experience because, like my daughter, I realize kids don't always tell the truth. Even though they don't tell the truth, they are somebody's baby. That is somebody's child, their most priceless possession. And I keep that in mind every time I call one of my students' homes. Maybe that's why my experience with families is so different than many of my colleagues. You know, as I stated earlier, I don't wait until students behave badly or are failing my class to call home. I try to set that tone from day one. Again, that's season one, episode two, that I talk about good news notes. 
And then I also have some like personal rules that I've set up about calling homes. Such as for every three correction-oriented phone calls that I make, I force myself to make a positive phone call. And yeah, I do say force because if I'm taking my evening to call parents so that students will behave better or achieve better, it's often easy to overlook calling home to a student that is already maintaining good behavior or a good grade. And honestly, the reason I made this rule in the end is selfish. Because after three phone calls about correcting a student's behavior or grades, I want to have a phone call celebrating a student with their parents, hearing the laughter and the smiles and the congratulations from the parents to the child. I mean, oftentimes it's difficult to find something nice to say about a student. I get that. They're making your life miserable. Seems like it's on purpose every day just for you. And I can tell you that we just need to look for the correct words to use at that time. I had a student who, man, thought it was social hour instead of English on his schedule. I really wanted to see it. Um, he would just talk excitedly to the point where it was just a distraction from my lessons. And it really started to affect his grade. So I called home. And I didn't want to say he was disrupting or distraction. I didn't really feel like he was channeling it like to be mean or to be bad. What it was is he was really excited about what was going on in our classroom. He was excited about the community that we formed. And he was really curious to see how the lesson was going to play out each day. So being able to say that to the parent, to say, man, I really applaud his curiosity. I welcome it with glee every day. However, I just need him to tone down his conversations in the wrong time. And the, the parents were very open to that because they were like, she's not saying he's a bad kid. She's just saying she'd like him to be quiet. And their response, they wanted to learn how to make him be quiet at home too, right? A lot of the behaviors are the same. So today, let me end this podcast by saying there is power in the phone call. And the power teachers is ours. Don't leave it on the table. This is McBreezy from Classrooms in Compton, Season 2, Episode 8. And I'll see you later. Have a great day.